Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. Live from the Sirius XM studios in New York City, this is Busted Open. Your only destination for daily pro wrestling talk in the entire world. From the independent scene to the main event of WrestleMania, no one covers pro wrestling like Busted Open. Eddie Guerrero was busted open. Hot topics, breaking news, and interviews with some of the biggest names in the game. A show designed for the fan, by the fan. Old school. The irritable force meeting the immovable object. Meets new school. has betrayed WCW. Busted Open. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Live now. Here are your hosts, Dave LaGreca and ECW legend, Tommy Dreamer. Welcome to a very special presentation of Busted Open today. We're going to be talking about the beast, Brock Lesnar, and we're titling this Dissecting the Beast. And who better to talk about it than my tag team partner, the innovator of violence, the landlord of the house of hardcore himself, the one and only Tommy Dreamer. Tommy, how are you, man? Good, bro. How are you today? I'm good. And I'm loving these specialty shows that you and I are getting into each and every day. And this one is a big topic because... It dips into the past, but definitely is something that's extremely topical. And that is someone that's probably more polarizing than anyone else in the world of pro wrestling. And I'm talking about the beast, Brock Lesnar. Yeah, and this all kind of came about for me when we were brainstorming everything. And I'm, I watched the, the Fox, the FS1 special on Ruthless Aggression, and they did a whole one on early Brock Lesnar. And it was Paul Heyman, as always, who basically like opened my eyes. And he was like, Brock Lesnar was only in the WWE for two years. And I was like, whoa. And <clears throat> I, we came off of the Ronda Rousey career. And then thinking of her impact, having the greatest year in professional wrestling. And then thinking back of Brock, I was just like, wow, this is something very, very topical. You and I started talking and boom, here we are. Yeah, when you think of Brock Lesnar, Tommy, obviously you think about those two years, and you're right. It's shocking his first appearance in the WWE was only two years because what he accomplished in those two years is historical. But even now, since his comeback right after WrestleMania 28, you think about what he has done in the world of the WWE and the world of the UFC is historical as well. Yeah, no other athlete. We were thinking who won world championships in two sports. Deion Sanders was the only one that uh, I had thought of. I don't know if uh, Danny Ainge won anything with when he was with the Blue. I don't think he was, he was with the Blue Jays at that time. But to be a two-sport athlete like Brock Lesnar, um, it just says it. You know, you're an amazing athlete. Dave Winfield, you know, a Hall of Famer, was drafted by four different sports that never has happened again Brock Lesnar is a maybe a once in two generations of an athlete and to come out of the WWE take off in other you know he went to the Vikings and was the last cut to uh, his success in the UFC then to come back to the WWE and be on top is uh, kind of why we're uh, doing this Yeah, and you look at all his accomplishments. First of all, when you look at what he was able to do in college, you know, being a national champion back in 2000, what he did in the UFC, like walking into the world of MMA into an octagon and become a UFC heavyweight champion and a multiple WWE champion and universal champion. But, like, that's something that's just not possible. When you first think about it, to be entrenched in a world like he was in collegiate sports and then in the world of 
pro wrestling and then to go to the UFC and become a heavyweight champion. But he was able to do that and be successful. Like he had two very successful title defenses as UFC heavyweight champion. And you said something that's very interesting as well, Tommy. And that is a lot of people forget about his kind of flirtation with the world of the NFL where he, he tried out with the Minnesota Vikings. I remember speaking to Brock Lesnar when I was working on the NFL channel and I was working with Dan Reeves, the former head coach. And Brock didn't make it. He got cut. He didn't, he didn't make it as a Minnesota Viking. But Dan Reeves was quick to tell me that if this was any other era in the NFL and there wasn't salary caps in the free agency the way it's structured right now, he would have been a Minnesota Viking. He told me that Tom Landry, the legendary coach of the Dallas Cowboys, he would have picked up and grabbed Brock Lesnar in a second. He would have just the sheer athleticism of Brock Lesnar. He would have loved that. And he would have shaped him into an all pro offensive lineman. So a lot of people look at his NFL stint as unsuccessful. But when you hear uh, Dan Reeves, who talked about him, that he would have loved to have the opportunity to coach him, that tells you if it was any other era, he would have been successful in the NFL as well. Yeah, um, and if you think about that, the last time Brock Lesnar had played football was high school. And then it was all wrestling in college. And then it was the you know time in the developmental system in OVW. Then two years into the WWE. First of all, I don't even remember how old he was at that time. Uh, I don't know if it's truthful because Paul Heyman said it, that he was the last cut by the Vikings. But I remember that time where... You know, he was the news all the time. And Brock Lesnar, from his WWE debut to leaving WWE to coming back to WWE, is always in the news. He's always one that is such a polarizing figure where people want to know about him. And I also think that's because of his not wanting to be a public person, why so many people want to know about him. You know, and, and I, I want to go back to what you just said about Brock and the NFL is that he did make it to the final cut with the Minnesota Vikings. He didn't play college football and he did it in his late 20s. So think about that. The fact that he hadn't played football since high school and he made it to the final cut of an NFL team. And then somebody like the success of a Dan Reeves saying he thinks in any other era, he would have been successful. That tells you the sheer athleticism of a Brock Lesnar. And one word that jumps out at me when we talk about Brock Lesnar, and it's a big one, is credibility. The one thing that he brings to the world of the WWE is that word, credibility. Absolutely. A little side note, Dave. Do you know uh, who cut uh, another wrestler in uh, Dan Reeves? Do you know who he cut for the Denver Broncos? Dan Reeves? Yep. For the Denver Broncos? I do not know. You're going to freak out when I tell you this one. You ready? I'm ready. He's coming to get you, the boogeyman. He oh, Dan Reeves cut him, huh, yeah. with the Denver Broncos. Uh, Boogie played for a, a few NFL squads and had a, a cup of coffee in the NFL. But uh, that was his last time getting cut, and that was because of his age. And that's what uh, transpired the whole I'm 30 <laughs> when he was 40. <laughs> but I digress. Uh, you know, Brock Lesnar, and you, you listen to the documentary with Brock, um, He also basically said, I'm sick of developmental. You need to call me back up to the main roster or else I'm leaving because he felt like his time uh, wasn't there. Uh, Another great Paul Heymanism was he got, he was listening to the wrong people and the wrong people's advice. Uh, Once he got called up there, my personal note, I wrestled Brock Lesnar a bunch of times in, in live events, as well as on a few of those, uh, dark matches and I'll never forget uh, we had a great match and and trust me when for a guy I was in my 30s uh, coming from ECW and it was kind of my job to to wrestle the younger guys uh, the newer guys to see what they got and I would talk to the agents and tell them what they got and uh, Brock I, I you know you see this guy and you know his accolades I'm like oh man I'm in for a fight this guy sucks just by looking at him and because I wrestled a lot of muscle heads or big dudes who were just hired because of their bodies. And I could not believe how great Brock was in the ring. And this was early in his career. And when you talk about listening to great, uh, to bad people's advice, 
I, me and, I went out and, and had a great match with Brock. And the one thing I picked him up for my Death Valley driver, he wiggled down, dropped down, picked me up, and gave me the F5. And I come in the back, and he was like, thank you, thank you. And I was like, cool, man. I thought you did everything great, you know, giving him feedback. And then I get pulled aside, and I'm told uh, everything was great, but I can't pick Brock up. And I was like, what are you talking about? And they were like, uh, well, you can't pick Brock up. And I said, I physically just picked Brock up. I held him on my shoulders. I walked around with him. And uh, they just kept saying to me, well, it doesn't make sense. It, it does, it's not realistic. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I really just did it. You, just saw it. you have the video proof. And they just kept on, well, it, it just doesn't make sense because he's so much bigger than you. And, you know, for, for you to pick up a guy, and I was like, listen, because uh, I'm someone who just needs the truth, and I just need something like this. I go, tell me you don't want me to pick up Brock Lesnar, but don't tell me that I can't do it because I just did it. And then they were like, we don't want Brock Lesnar to get up off of his feet because no one should make him leave his feet. And I was just like, I disagree, but that's all I needed. So when you just when you're up there, you were getting, and at times it's still you're getting so much different pieces of information. Uh, it's cool that Paul took him uh, under his wing because Paul is always great at seeing how I can make the most uh, money with somebody. He has a great natural ability to see who's going to be a star. And, you know, Paul took him under his wing and the rest was history. And you look at it and you, you said it earlier, that was such a short stint early on. Somebody that from everything you hear was never a pro wrestling fan. You know, it's not, not something that he really had a passion or a love for. And you've heard that, obviously, with Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle wasn't a fan, and he just, you know, was drawn to it like a, a fish with water. It's the same thing with Brock Lesnar. It's amazing to me that as a collegiate wrestler and everything he was able to do on a college level was never a fan or never had a love or passion for pro wrestling, but just was drawn to it and did so well so early. Yeah. And, you know, you also talk about it's being an amazing athlete. Kurt Angle uh, adapted to wrestling just from years of wrestling. You, you think of like Jack and Jerry Briscoe from their uh, amateur days. And, and Jerry was the one who kind of started scouting Brock. Um, there are very, very few that excel the way Brock did. Um, you know, I remember watching another documentary and it was basically the only person who would ever spar with uh, Brock was Shelton Benjamin uh, because he was kind of that weight as well. But Brock was always this amazing amateur athlete uh, that also just like had this I don't really care attitude. Um, and I guess when you're that type of phenom, but you know what he I can't say that's a lot of speculation for not liking people. I get it. Um, but like Brock was always super cool to me. He was always super cool in the locker room. Uh, even when I went back, what, four years ago? Yeah, he was dressing in his own room. But as soon as I seen him, he was like, Tommy, what's going on? You don't have that stick. I hate that thing. And we literally just talked about what he does and his family. Uh, there's a lot to get into with the sense of why he left. The documentary did it well, but that's just like, he's just a homebody. And, you know, the wrestling business is not meant for people if you don't like to be out there or, you know, when you're the champion, you're, you're two, 250, 300 days a year, plus doing press conferences. And when you're the face of WWE, you're working all the time. You really are. And in Vince McMahon's head, it's, well, you're getting compensated for it. But if you don't have that love and passion for, the, for this, you're not going to be like how he succeeded is amazing because like I would do that. I would do it 356 days a year if I could. Are there 356 days a year or 350? Yes, yes there is. And Tommy, right. like, Brock signed his first deal with the WWF at the time in 2000. And by early 2004, he was gone. We'll get into some of the reasons why and dig in a little bit deeper as we dissect the beast. Brock Lesnar right here on Busted Open. You're listening to Busted Open's Dissecting the Beast special, only on Sirius XM Fight Nation, Channel 156. The biggest names in the fight game are on the Akin Barak Show. Matchroom Sports Managing Director, Eddie Hurley. 
is a global pandemic that is taking hundreds of thousands of lives globally. And I feel as much as we love sport, as much as we need live events for our business, we have to wait our turn. But what we can do is make sure that when that turn comes, we're ready. The Ock and Barack Show, weekdays from noon till 3 Eastern, only on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. This is Busted Open's Dissecting the Beast special. Here's Dave LaGreca and ECW legend Tommy Dreamer. Back here on Busted Open, Dave LaGreca, Tommy Dreamer. A very special presentation of Busted Open as we dissect the beast, Brock Lesnar. And Tommy, what we did is a really good setup of Brock, what he went through, his just sheer athleticism, him coming into pro wrestling, even though not being a pro wrestling fan and just really just a wonderful two years when you think about what he was able to do on the main roster in the WWE, but it didn't last long. Uh, He had his last match with his first stint with the WWE in March 14th, 2004 at WrestleMania 20 in a match, which I guess you could say, Tommy was not well received by the New York fans at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, um, if I could just backtrack a little bit. I remember he debuted the day after WrestleMania. He, uh, in a hardcore match with Maven, Al Snow, Spike Dudley, he interfered. Paul Heyman was his manager. Um, I, At the time, uh, I think it took him about five months to become the heavyweight champion. I believe he was the intercontinental champion. Um, in five months, he wins the title. Uh, they did the turn with him and Paul at, man, I remember it was at Madison Square Garden. I don't know, with the big show where he lost the title. Um, and yeah, the, the grind of professional wrestling really, really got to Brock um, because it's two years now and he basically quit. Uh, I remember, I'll, I remember it. Like there was, it was yesterday because we were in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, I hear uh, from Paul that uh, Brock's walking out, Brock quit. And it was just one of those days. A lot of wrestlers were also like, how can you just quit on us? It was the one of the first WrestleManias where I feel social media took over. Because that match, Goldberg versus Brock, is a dream match. But you're hearing about the unhappiness with Brock Lesnar. You're hearing about the unhappiness of Bill Goldberg. And that match would not have been a technical masterpiece. But it would have been a great dream matchup. And due to social media, the match was destroyed. I mean, MSG, New York City fans, the best fans in the world, they knew about it. And they tore them both they could care less about either competitor that's the beauty of professional wrestling um because of if you don't want us we don't want you yeah and then that led to just a disaster at madison square garden and that would be the end we thought of his wwe career and that's when in 2004 he tried out for the minnesota vikings was not successful and then moved on to Japan where he became IWGP heavyweight champion on his debut match. So, you know, there he is in new Japan becoming an IWGP champion in his debut match. Like that's crazy. When you think about it, Tommy, how prestigious that championship is and how successful ultimately he was in Japan. You know, I also, I got to go back one more time to him versus Kurt. And when he did that shooting star press in Safeco Field in Seattle. And uh, if you would have thought about that, um, that could have been the end of Brock Lesnar. But he was unconscious. He was messed up basically because of all his muscles that he had in his shoulders and neck areas, what saved his life. Um, I remember that day, too, because afterwards we had to always all go to the WWE WrestleMania party after that was just set up for the wrestlers and Brock was, he had a cut over his face. He had a, he was kind of out of it, but he still was there. Uh, and he was just like, I'm fine. I'm fine. He, he was only there for about 30, 40 minutes, but 
that could have been the end of Brock Lesnar, literally his life, his career, everything. Um, now we fast forward a year later, he's gone. He decides to leave all because of really the grind. Um, and like you said, he went, uh, you got, people got to understand too, in every contract, because I remember there was a lot of flack of why didn't WWE just let him go? Why didn't let WWE uh, do other things? Because there really was no other competition. Um, in your contract, if you want to quit, you cannot quit unless WWE gives you your release. That's not just WWE. That's Impact. That was WCW. That was ECW. Um, that is regular sports. You can, if you don't want then what do you have? A contract holdout or you could have where the player just sits. You don't pay him. I know specifically um, because I dealt with those contracts plus – because at one point I asked to quit the WWE and I was told no by my boss. I don't want you to do that. And then I went into the office. But basically for the time that you quit, that you're not there, not only can they, they won't pay you, they can prorate that contract. So every day you missed is another day they're going to add to your contract. So it's a never ending thing. And obviously Brock had a long-term contract. And they were holding him up. That's why he went to the Vikings, because how am I going to make money? But for Brock, I also think it was like, because, I mean, he had his own plane. How, what new challenge can I overcome? And then there was a loophole in his contract where he basically could not just wrestle in the United States. But that's why he went to Japan. And on his first day, he wins the biggest title in New Japan. And he's a main eventer automatically. And that career takes off for him there. And then, hey, be a UFC fighter. And if you think about the UFC, that's perfect for Brock. You can stay home. You can train at your house or close to your house. You prepare for a fight, what, every four to five months. You go on the road one day a week. Maybe tops if you're training and you got to be in the town for press conferences, four or five. And then you go back home. And you're making great money. And he's really, really good at it to the point where he becomes a champion. So it's that is the perfect fit for Brock. And I think that deal where everyone, dude, just think about you, me, average Joe listening. If you could get that contract where you had to go to work once a month or perform once a week uh, to get paid, I think a lot of people would do that. And, yeah. uh, Eight years later is now Brock Lesnar makes his return. But his UFC career, uh, you know, you and I get it all the time on Busted Open. You know, we'll see so much hatred from UFC fans towards professional wrestling. Now here's a guy, a professional wrestler, entering the world of UFC and dominating. Yeah, and like first, I mean, you know, you know, Tommy, going to Japan, working in the Tokyo Dome, that style of, of New Japan pro wrestling, that kind of fit Brock Lesnar as well, even though he wasn't – a wrestling fan, that kind of strong style of wrestling kind of fit into Brock Lesnar's mode. And then you mentioned the UFC, and he went on and had his first UFC fight, I believe it was um, in 2007. But, you know, to, to go and to do a completely different venture, and, and obviously he had that co collegiate wrestling background behind him, but, you know, to go in there as a striker, because you would think that it, with the collegiate background, it would be a little bit different. But because of his size, he became a striker. And to be able to win a UFC heavyweight championship, I mean, that's crazy. I remember at the time, because I was working on an MMA show with Sirius at that time, and all the professionals, all like, you know, the MMA journalists and all the people that were the so-called experts in MMA, they thought it was a joke. They're like, he's going to come walking in and he's going to get his ass kicked. And it was exactly the opposite that happened in his UFC career, Tommy. Uh, you know, Dave, we're, we're sitting here, we're, we're, we're dissecting this man and his career. Think of all the negative that has been associated with this top athlete. When he tried out for football, like, oh, this former wrestler is going to come in and, and think he can make the team. He almost does. Same with, I remember everybody in the UFC Everyone is talking about it, saying, like, he just thinks he could enter this world and do what he does. 
And like you said, he was an amateur wrestler. Oh, I remember it too. Oh, he's just going to get punched in his face. Or, you know, it's the old, old, old uh, story of who would win a boxer versus a wrestler. And Brock went out there and won. And not only did he won, he knocked dudes out. He made guys submit. And he just was, he was Brock. But always, even when he's the champion, then it's like, oh, it's a fluke or this or that. Uh, Brock has always answered the call of all his critics, but yet he just like, he's always surrounded by people criticizing every one of his moves, but yet he's super duper successful. I wish Brock Lesnar, when Brock Lesnar was going through all this, was kind of like a Conor, think of if he was like a Muhammad Ali or a Conor McGregor with this over-the-top personality, like, I will choke you out, or Mike Tyson, I will, you know, I will eat your babies. Um, I think if he had that personality, how much of a bigger star he would have been. And that kind of happened, because if you remember that feud he had, I call it a feud, but, you know, that those two matches that he had with Frank Mir, you know, Frank Mir, you was able to beat Brock with a submission hold, and then he talked a lot of trash, and then Brock talked a lot of trash going into it and was the heel and was getting booed and he loved it. He was playing up to the booze. I remember that. You know, you think about it. He beat Randy Couture to win the UFC heavyweight championship. Randy Couture is regarded as one of the greatest UFC fighters of all time. So I think he, I think he quieted a lot of the doubters. And, you know, Tommy, when we come back, you know, with his UFC career, you would think might be behind him, though it never really is you know, is when he made his return to the WWE the night after WrestleMania 28. We'll get into that, the return of Brock Lesnar as we dissect the beast right here on Busted Open. You're listening to Busted Open's Dissecting the Beast special, only on Sirius XM Fight Nation, channel 156. Talking to the biggest names in pro wrestling. Friend of the show, Cody Rhodes. I particularly told people living in fear is no way to live. And honestly, I just wanted the platform to say that we're all in this together and that we're going to get through this. And please enjoy the two hours of hopefully escape and distraction uh, we have for you tonight. This is a very unique time for a wrestler. Busted Open, Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation. Dave LaGreca and ECW legend Tommy Dreamer dive into the WWE career of superstar Brock Lesnar. This is Busted Open's Dissecting the Beast special. Back here on Busted Open, a special edition of Busted Open as we dissect the beast. Talking about Brock Lesnar, myself, and Tommy Dreamer. And I want to get into, Tommy, his return to the WWE. Well, uh, Dave, hang on. Before we get to his return, I want to say, because, uh, you know, I have my own little conspiracy theories about everything as a work. Do you remember the time where it was like maybe one or two fights before he left the UFC where he was either coming to the ring or leaving the ring and the undertaker was there and they have this confrontation it was picked up by every news media where the undertaker and it's like uh, undertaker is like anytime and Lesnar's like anytime. And here he is in the world, the UFC. And I feel that's setting the table for his return because it got picked up besides on every uh, pro wrestling news. But again, Brock being Brock. And I don't think it's enough credit. I don't think he's working it like how uh, we, there's great people who know how to work social media, but Brock is setting the table, I feel, for a return. And I'll also tell you, I was with Shelton Benjamin. Uh, Brock's last fight was with Cain Velasquez, correct? Yeah, his last, well, he had Mark, later he went back with Mark Hunt, but yeah, I believe his last fight was with Cain Velasquez. When, who became the first ever Mexican heavyweight champion, all that stuff. I remember we, uh, we were watching it, and again, Brock is a main eventer. He's a main eventer in WWE. He's a main eventer for UFC, uh, pay-per-view buy rates. We went, uh, after wrestling, we went and we wanted to see this fight and it, we're in a Hooters and this place is packed. And everybody, you think about Hooters, everyone wants to look at the waitresses, except everyone's just watching the television. And 
Shelton's just like, there's no way he's going to lose this fight. And I had just, I literally, I'm not a big UFC fan, but I followed it because of Brock. And they're talking about Ken Kane Velasquez be the next uh, champion. He'd be the first ever Mexican heavyweight champion. And then their next fight was supposed to be in Mexico. And I literally turned to uh, Shelton and I say, Brock's going to lose this fight. And he's like, dude, there's no way he's going to crush him. I said, he's going to lose this fight. You go, we watch the fight. He loses. And he's like, Shelton's in shock. Cause again, Shelton's his friend, Shelton's his sparring partner. And he's like, how did you know? I go, cause it's all booking. He's the first ever Mexican heavyweight champion. Where's the next fight? Mexico. I go, that's really, that was my tell. And it was just commentators talking like that, but that's how I have to think because I'm a crazy pro wrestler. But if you think about it, he set the table. He then loses. Yeah, he comes back. Another great payday. And then, boom, he comes back to the WWE. And I want to just say something because you're absolutely right. His last fight was against Overeem, which he lost. But the, the fight you're talking about against Cain Velasquez when he lost the UFC heavyweight championship uh, was where you had the Undertaker-Brock exchange. And if I remember it correctly, Tommy – you know, I don't know if Brock said anything because this was right after Brock. Like, Brock is literally just leaving the octagon and Undertaker is at ringside. And he's being interviewed by Ariel Hawani. And, and, and Undertaker's just talking to Ariel Hawani. And then Brock walks by. And then, and then, you know, Undertaker's like, anytime, anytime. And I don't think Brock even said anything because I think he was still dazed from his loss. And then Ariel's like, what was that about? And Undertaker's like, well, there's some history here. They're shooting angles, David. Yeah, They're shooting like, angles. There's, there's some history here between us. And it's like, all right, this is going to happen. Now, that was, you know, late 2010. And then by 2012, you know, April 2nd, right after WrestleMania 28 on Monday Night Raw, the show ends with Brock Lesnar F5-ing John Cena. And then here we go you know, the second stint of Brock Lesnar in the WWE. And, uh, you know, thinking back at it, and people, a lot of people forget, it wasn't a successful opening to uh, Brock's second stint in the WWE because he lost to John Cena. And then at WrestleMania 29, he lost to Triple H. And I, then I think, like, then we got to The Undertaker, and it was a different story when Brock Lesnar faced The Undertaker, Tommy, at WrestleMania 30. Yeah, and look how dark when we're talking about The Undertaker, if this audio all of a sudden, we're having a cloud form all over Tommy Dreamer, and we're talking the descent of Brock Lesnar, and it, it's The Undertaker really has powers. It's real. No. I'm waiting for the gong. But if you think about, you know, the day after WrestleMania is always, you know, one of the best WrestleMania, the days of Raw of all time, and when that music hit and that awesome ominous music, you know, dun, 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 dun. And that drop, wow. And then here comes Brock, people are freaking out. When he extended the hand to John Cena, F5'd him, next level, pop, oh my God, he's back. It's on ESPN, it's everywhere. And yes, now we're going to go towards The Undertaker, the match that they booked uh, at the Dean, uh, at the Cameron, Cameron Diaz fight, uh, the Dean Velasquez fight. And uh, that is now next level because it really did change the face of WrestleMania forever. History is made with him and The Undertaker. And yeah. oof, oof. I'm going to turn on a light, but you can keep talking because I can hear you. Yeah, while you're turning on the light, and again, The Undertaker's presence felt just talking about him and Tommy's lights went out during the course of the show. Um, you look at like what happened at WrestleMania 30. And here's the thing, Tommy, you know, that's, you know, Busted Open was in full force. Doug Mortman was my co-host. And we talked a lot about WrestleMania 30. You know, we did a live show before and after WrestleMania 30. And we interviewed, you know, all the WWE superstars on Radio Row. The one match that we really didn't talk a lot about before WrestleMania 30 was the Undertaker Brock Lesnar match because we just assumed this was going to be another win for the Undertaker and that streak would continue. And we actually had the pleasure of interviewing Paul Heyman and we we're almost like, all right, 
sell us, please, Paul Heyman, the ultimate showman, the ultimate salesman. Sell us on how Brock Lesnar is going to beat The Undertaker. That's how little faith people had that Brock had a chance of winning that. That's why you had that ultimate shock in the Superdome at WrestleMania 30 because there was no one in that building. There was no one in the 75,000 that were in attendance that absolutely, without a doubt, thought that there was a chance Brock Lesnar was going to beat The Undertaker and end that undefeated streak at WrestleMania. To me, it was all about the streak. No one at that time thought the streak would end. They thought Brock was going to be just another victim. And you were there. The life was taken out of the room of the Superdome. And to me, that moment changed the career for Brock Lesnar. It also changed the career path of WrestleManias up until how many WrestleManias later where it was Ronda Rousey, we just talked about it, Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch, where once now the main event happened, the fans started leaving. Um, And it was just like the oxygen was taken out of the room after that match. There were so many memes uh, of that. People were still talking. I still feel it was the worst decision in the history of WWE, but that's just my opinion because I always loved the streak. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, uh, it totally changed the complexion of the WWE and Brock then, you know, becoming the champion and having this, as everyone always says, part-time schedule, which was um, – under a lot of scrutiny, but like I said, if you could get that and do ratings and be Brock and have the matches that you can, why not? Why not have that UFC schedule in the world of the WWE? Because there was times, I know you're, you hated it, yes. but your heavyweight champion isn't there. But when it's time for the big shows and the big matches, he was there. And Tommy, you mentioned it took Brock Lesnar's career to a different height after beating The Undertaker and ending that streak. You're definitely right about that. And then then you talk about the face of the WWE, that champion, Brock Lesnar, and the love-hate relationship that the fans have. We'll get into that. When Tommy and I are back, we're dissecting the beast right here on Busted Open. You're listening to Busted Open's Dissecting the Beast special, only on Sirius XM Fight Nation, Channel 156. Soccer is a passion that goes beyond the sport. And Sirius XMFC's podcast, More Than a Game, brings that passion to you. Can you believe it? In each episode, FC's panel of experts take a deep dive into club histories, iconic grounds, bitter rivalries, and so much more. There's nothing like a Derby Day in Manchester. New episodes are available weekly by downloading the Pandora app and searching More Than a Game. This is Busted Open's Dissecting the Beast special. Here's Dave LaGreca and ECW legend Tommy Dreamer. Back here on Busted Open special edition, Dissecting the Beast, Brock Lesnar. And boy, Tommy, we kind of covered it all when you look at the career of Brock Lesnar in and outside of a WWE ring, what he did in the UFC, what he did in New Japan. And then now his home is the WWE. He's made it clear that he is a sports entertainer. Uh, whether he had a love or passion for it before, it seems like the answer to that question would be no. But do you think, Tommy, that Brock Lesnar has a love and passion for pro wrestling now? Brock is such an amazing athlete. I, he has to, if Brock just sits back and looks at probably all of the things that he has in his life, it is all because of professional wrestling from his wife to his children to you know, the the life that he leads in the sense of he's got a jet, he's got a farm, he's got all this property. Um, don't know if he could have had that doing anything else. So sometimes you got to take back and look at it, you know, as far as being this premier athlete, you know, there's been a lot of love and hate. You're on at times on the hate side of Brock, um, just because I get it. Like, I would love to see the, the WWE title defended every 30 days. I think that should be a standard uh, for a company. But um, the guy has produced ratings. The guy has produced crowds. 
the guy has produced people always talking about us um, up until this WrestleMania where him and Drew McIntyre and whether he passed the torch to, to Drew, um, Brock has always delivered. He's, and he's delivered against small opponents. There's not a lot of guys who are bigger than him, but you also have to think of, you know, how many WrestleManias has he main evented that have sold out? And I know it's different because, you know, old school wrestlers will say, well, I drew this house or I drew that house as opposed to, well, WrestleMania is going to be the draw. But Brock Lesnar is that, you know, main event attraction that he's in. Uh, I, I equate him to a Tom Brady, a Michael Jordan. Um, the people of Boston and Massachusetts, Patriots fans, they love Tom Brady. Everybody else hates the guy. Now we got to see if he could do it playing somewhere else. Brock Lesnar has played other places, has played somewhere else, and still has won. So I feel he has sentenced, uh, sentence quieted all his uh, detractors with his amazing athletic ability. He really has. So when you look at, and there's a lot to get into here, Tommy, and time is short, but I agree with you in the fact that it's it's impossible to say that Brock isn't a great athlete. It's impossible to say that Brock Lesnar is not a great pro wrestler and he doesn't have big match feel to all of his matches because he can do that unlike anybody else on that WWE roster. I brought up the word before earlier in the show, but credibility. He brings credibility to pro wrestling unlike anybody else can do. My problem with Brock Lesnar has always been this. It's almost like a shit or get off the pot. Like he always kind of hangs the UFC over you know, the WWE's head. Like, you know, if you're going to be a pro wrestler, be a pro wrestler. You know, if you're going to be a, a world champion, be a world champion, be there. I'm not saying he's got to be on each and every show, but you know what? Defend that title every 30 days. You know, um, know that, like you said, this is where your bread is buttered right now. And he was successful in the UFC, but put that behind you and be a pro wrestler. If you want us to be passionate about you, you need to be passionate about us, meaning the business. So I think that's one obstacle I've always had a, a tough time with when it comes to Brock Lesnar. But there is no doubt he is great at what he does. And nobody can give like, you know, that WrestleMania moment like Drew McIntyre had or Seth Rollins had, you know, nobody else can do that like a Brock Lesnar. But when you look at the all-time greats, where do you rank him, Tommy, when it comes to some of the all-time greats? Uh, he's a, a bona fide uh, WWE Hall of Famer. And it, he would be a Hall of Famer if we really had a ranking system of a qualifications of what should be met like a baseball, a football. Um, and, and if you think about even in that, those sports, especially baseball, where you have writers – determine if you were a Hall of Fame player and how many athletes who weren't friendly with writers have either not been first ballot or somewhat stay away from, you know, the Hall of Fame. There's definitely amount of people who are just like, well, they got to wait a few years because they pissed a lot of writers off. Um, that's unfair. But for us, he, he will be a WWE Hall of Famer. He has to be, in my opinion, one of the greatest of all times where you have to put him up there with The Rock, Steve Austin, Hulk Hogan, because he has carried the company. He hasn't carried the company on a daily basis, but he has been that champion. At one point, he was a champion for like 500 days or something like that. And though he wasn't wrestling, but he, people paid to see him on those sold out stadiums, you know, uh, you, you got to keep him up there with the Bruno San Martinos, the, the Bret Hart's just for the fact of he was a champion for such a long time. Uh, and anyone who disputes it, then you could actually go to actual stats. Well, he was the intercontinental champion. He was the, the WWE champion. How do you argue with any of those? It's hard. And you brought up like major league baseball, the baseball hall of fame or the pro football hall of fame. Terrell Owens was somebody who should have been a first ballot Hall of Famer, but they looked at like his relationship with the media and they looked at what he did to locker rooms and clubhouses, you know, while he was uh, a part of his NFL career. 
So he didn't get in first ballot. Chris Carter, another player who should have been a first ballot Hall of Famer when you look at the stats and the numbers. But, you know, he early on in his career, he was a horror to a lot of media and a lot of reporters. So they didn't put him in right away. And I think that's the same thing with Brock Lesnar. If the WWE was like a Hall of Fame where it was a round table of writers in a room fighting, I think there would be a lot of people that wouldn't put Brock in. Let's 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 put, talk about it in our world right now. If if it was like talk show hosts like myself and dirt sheet writers that voted, you know, pro wrestlers into a Hall of Fame, kind of like what we see in other sports, maybe Brock wouldn't get in first ballot because, you know, He's not accessible to the media. He doesn't have a passion for pro wrestling. He does have a contract like anybody else. He's treated differently than everybody else in the locker room. And I think that alone would probably detract people from making him a first ballot Hall of Famer and would probably detract a lot of people from putting them, putting Brock in their top 20 or top 10. Though some have made it, Randy Johnson, Eddie Murray, Barry Bonds, Kurt Schilling, even Roger Clemens, even though they have had ties to the steroid era, but there are guys who played in that steroid era who still went into the Hall of Fame. And, but it was their relationship with the press. Um, And our press or our peers in the sense of our, if it was our fans, because Brock isn't there all the time or Brock doesn't, doesn't offend the title at every pay-per-view isn't that what makes him special isn't that what he is great for think about if you had you know a quarterback who only played uh home games and they won every home game they would he would they would love him or think of like i say tom brady as tom brady has lost a few super bowls but tom brady is going to go down as the greatest quarterback of all time and even though he has left boston and has left the patriots they may be hurt now, but they're going to remember those great times and great moments that he gave that time. Hell, Willie Mays didn't end his career as a San Francisco Giant. He was a Met. That happens. Brock Lesnar, while we're talking about because Brock Lesnar is now gone from the WWE. There's been some speculation of he's pissed off. He doesn't want to be, he doesn't want to be around uh, people during this whole uh, time during the pandemic. There's, again, rumors. Nothing. He's never gone out and said it. So... They'll be talking about Brock, and, and, you know, I've said it, you've said it, Bully said it, Mark's ha- said it. We appreciate people a lot more once they go away, like The Rock, John Cena, um, and Brock. Because if you think about Brock was gone for eight years, and the reaction he got, and the matches that he's had, Brock does not wrestle every single week, and he had a really good match with Drew McIntyre. Think of the pay-per-view matches, Daniel Bryan, all those different matches. He flew to Saudi Arabia. But, you know, it's funny. He flies to Saudi Arabia. Everyone has their own conspiracy theories that happen in, in Saudi Arabia. But Brock just flies home because he's got his own plane. Yeah. And he was just like, he's in and out. And then people are like, oh, how dare he? Uh, how dare he not want to get stuck in Saudi Arabia for whatever reason? It's, again... Everyone's going to focus on the negative as, you know, we like to do focus more on the positive. Brock Lesnar is a premier athlete. Brock Lesnar is a decorated WWE superstar. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer, and he should go down as one of the best of all times because of the matches he had. And when you're the greatest of all time, it doesn't have to be that time doesn't have to be, well, he put 20 years in. You know, you could be, you're in, you're out, you're done. And there are guys in all sports that have like these amazing runs and then it could end due to injury and they don't come back. And there's always the what ifs, but Brock has literally done this on his own terms. And when he gets sick of something, he leaves. How do you get pissed at that? And it's amazing when you said it and it's true gone eight years. So when you look at Brock Lesnar, I mean, how many pro wrestlers can you think of that are hall of famers and are hall of fame based on both sides of their career? I mean, hell, you could take those first two years away and just look at what Brock Lesnar has done since he came back the day after WrestleMania 28 to what he's done now on a part-time schedule and maybe even say that his career is Hall of Fame worthy just on the accomplishments that he's done in the last five years. It's, it's amazing, but it's true. And then you look at the credibility and look what he's done outside and the eyeballs from the mainstream world 
that he brings in because of all the stuff that he's done outside of the ring. You know, David, you think of uh, Edge's return to the Royal Rumble. Edge returns after nine years. Um, the story of Edge, we are watching it, but not one person said anything negative about Edge and his return. It's what's this amazing story. Oh my God, look how great he looks. Oh my God, um, look how uh, his match with Randy Orton was. Look how long it went. Look at the risk he's still taking. Um, I feel that's going to be a second story for Edge as well. And he's going to be on a part-time schedule, but no one will crap on it. You know why? Number one, because he's a good guy. And number two is because he was so beloved. He's been a fan forever. And if that was Brock Lesnar, we'd be talking about him just like we're talking about Edge. And it's unfair to Brock because Brock, he's a stud. But it is that love-hate relationship that the fans have with Brock Lesnar. And it's, it's a big reason, Tommy, that we did this show, Dissecting the Beast, because we really don't know. Because we'll never get Brock Lesnar to come on this show to talk about it. And I think that's a big reason why there's the aura around him, why people love him and they buy a ticket to see him and why a lot of people do not like him because he is that kind of like mythical figure that you don't see on a weekly basis and doesn't do shows like ours. Tommy, awesome job today. Great dissecting the beast, Brock Lesnar. Love him or hate him, he's one of the greatest of all time. We'll talk to you really soon right here on Busted Open. This has been Busted Open's Dissecting the Beast special. Check Sirius XM On Demand for more Sirius XM Fight Nation content. And follow us on Twitter at Busted Open Radio. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.